blessings to you. The goodness of God, may it be close to you. Hey, it's so good to be able to share this time. I'm looking forward to it. All of my friends and brothers and sisters, church community, near and far, wherever you are, we're online together. Hey, and if you're joining us for the first time, I'm so glad that you are with us. I'm Pastor Terry here in San Francisco, and I want everybody to just feel welcomed and loved. Uh, and even now, Lord, I just, I, I welcome your presence among us. I really do open up our hearts and remind us that you are near and not far. Even in these anxious and unsettled times, we cast our eyes upon you. Yeah, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. You know, last week, as we started into our thankful series, which I just think this is so right on point as we head into the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then turn the page into a new year. The idea of being thankful and filled with gratitude. I talked about last week being thankful for the gift of, of life and the promise of life that Jesus gave us both for the present and the future. And this week I want to explore a different kind of gratitude. I want to explore the value of expressing relational gratitude. Yeah relational gratitude and how God wants us to treasure as much as possible our most meaningful relationships and friendships. Because I think you know this, but it's so easy to, to take these gifts of, of special people in our lives for granted. We, we just, it's human nature. Uh, and the Lord wants to remind us that instead of taking our most meaningful relationships and friendships for granted. Rather, we are to honor them. And I want to, I want to encourage us all, including myself, to do that better. Uh, for they, those relationships, they're more than we know, fragile gifts, fragile treasures, in some ways more precious than gold. Yeah. And so, you know, let's keep that in mind as we open up and, and look at a piece of scripture here from the book of Philippians. I'm going to start with the first chapter. I'm going to set it up. I have some thoughts for us to consider and share. And I hope by the time we're done, we're going to be, be even more inspired to want to treasure the special people in our lives and to honor God by loving them better. <laughs> yeah. So in Philippians 1, this is what the apostle writes, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So the apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. And he mentions Timothy, as you noted there. Uh, Timothy is a, a really unique and remarkable figure, uh, not just in Paul's life, but in the New Testament. He emerges first as a young leader. He was he was the great apostle's son in the faith, younger, much younger than Paul. In fact, if you look at the book of Timothy, the books of Timothy, first and second Timothy, and you look at them, you realize that part of Timothy's struggle actually was the fact that he was a younger leader trying to, um, you know, step into a role that you know, meant that he was going to need to be courageous and confident and not timid about using the gifts that God had given him, even though he was younger than a lot of the people that he was 
being asked to lead. And, you know, that's something that, that I no longer have to worry about, <laughs> but I did many years ago when I was a younger leader. But, you know, Timothy was, well, he was of mixed ethnicity. His father was Greek and his mother was Jewish, but she wasn't just Jewish. She was also a devoted follower of Jesus. And she had a tremendous influence on her son. And uh, that faith actually was connected to uh, Timothy's grandmother as well. So Timothy is, is of mixed ethnicity, half Jewish, half Greek, and he became a tremendous asset to the Apostle Paul's ministry. He really did. And over time, he, as I mentioned, becomes an important leader in the early church. He was with Paul actually about 10 years earlier to the writing of the, of the letter of Philippians when the church was founded. So Timothy was there in its embryonic stages. The whole thing, and you guys can read about it in Acts 16, the whole thing had been miraculous. It, 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 the, the, the church at Philippi was a product of a series of things that God had his touch on. It, it was a really a miraculous birthing of a church. In a, and it all began with a dream. I mean, Paul literally had a vision in the night. In, and in a vision, he sees this man from Macedonia who's pleading with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Right? That's where Philippi was. And Paul responded to that vision. And he, and he turned towards Macedonia and he ended up in the colony of Philippi, which was the region's most, well, it was the foremost city of the region. Yeah. And there he meets a businesswoman a wealthy woman. Her name was Lydia. She's described as a seller of purple. That is, she sold garments with a particular unique and rare color of dye, unique to the region. Tyrrhenian purple dye was literally <laughs> worth more than its weight in gold. Fabric traders obtained the dye from a small mollusk that was found only in the Tyre region of the Mediterranean Sea. So it was a rare, a rare commodity. And Lydia, this woman, was a serious believer in the God of the scriptures. And when she heard the message of Jesus, and again, you read about this in Acts 16, she is described as, I love the phrase, opening up her heart, which is the invitation the Lord makes to all of us. And something not only we do once, but something we are invited to keep doing all through the journey of life with Christ. Lord, keep our hearts open. Yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> and we're told that she and her household were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We also recognize that in addition to the remarkable vision that Paul saw and his engaging this very important uh, woman, businesswoman named Lydia, who had a tremendous amount of influence and used it for good, that Paul was eventually jailed along with his ministry partner, Silas, which ultimately resulted in the salvation of the, the jailer and his entire family. It was a really miraculous deliverance that God used to bring um, this man to a saving faith. And he brought his entire family with him and his relationships that were connected to him. I'm confident were influenced. And anyway, all of those were key people in the formation of the of the church at Philippi. It's part of the origin story of the church. Every church has a bit of a lore. 
has you know, what some have called sacred bundles or things that remind them of how they began. And, you know, Paul never forgot how God miraculously allowed him to engage people who ended up forming the core of the church community at Philippi. And he had great affection for them. He had great affection for them, deep appreciation. When you read the letter Philippians, uh, to the Philippians, you realize that he had deep appreciation for their love and their loyalty to his ministry. Remember that he's, not all of us would be aware of this, he's writing the letter from a place of confinement. He's actually under house arrest. Now, it's not quite prison, but he's not free. He has a Roman guard next to him, quite possibly chained to him in some, you know, loose way. But Paul is, is not necessarily just free to come and go as he wills. And he's not actually sure if he'll ever see his friends, this church that he has loved, the church that he founded, that God miraculously created uh, in Philippi. He's, he's not sure. So when, in, <laughs> I mean, he thinks, he knows he'll see them someday. One way or another, he's going to see them here or in eternity. But it just makes the words that he writes even more beautiful when you think of it that way. And his words to the church at Philippi are actually words that God used by the Holy Spirit to be a gift for all of us. Look what he goes on to say, verse 2. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God's loving favor upon you and peace, right? These are the things that are offered in Christ. There is nothing better. And he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So he's, he's reminiscing. He's, he's thinking. I see him writing and pausing, perhaps. He's reminiscing, reflecting, as maybe some of us are want to do from time to time, of the fondness of days gone by. He's letting his mind wander a bit. I see him perhaps staring out a small window which has been letting in the light of the day and then his pen to paper. He writes, verse 4, always in every prayer of mine, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. Look at this. In the gospel from the first day until now. You see, they had always supported him from the beginning in prayers and with their finances. I mean, this was a really outstanding church. And as a result, the aging apostle writes that all the good that has come from the proclamation of the gospel of Christ, whatever lives have been changed and altered and affected by God's message, he says, you... My friends, my brothers and sisters, you share in it because you invested into it. He's reminding them that they are a part of everything that he's done for the Lord because of they, they threw their heart behind him and they threw their resources behind him. He says, you've been a, a deep source of joy to me. <laughs> you've been, you know, again, he's, he's experiencing some disappointment in being locked up a bit. He doesn't know his future for sure, but... He's taking particular satisfaction 
in the relationship that he has with this uh, remarkable church and the people that make it up. And he says, God has, has granted me the gift of, of your loyalty. You've been, and I, I wonder if Paul had a tear come through his eyes. He says, you've been so, so faithful, um, committed. Yeah. You've been committed from the first day till now. And I just need to say something because I think it's important in this life. We get to decide loved ones, how we are going to invest our time, our love and our resources. We decide that God's given us the, the freedom to do it. But I found myself sitting with how blessed and how thankful the apostle was for the unwavering support and partnership of the Philippians. He says, every time I think of you, I smile because they had chosen to invest their time and their resources and their love into the things of God as a priority in their life. And I hope that I hope that we will do the same, but I, I see Paul reminiscing and his thing and he's thinking he's letting his thoughts flow back towards them in love. And he says, you know, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. Every time I think of you and the, the kind of quality that characterizes you as a, as a people in a community in the church, I, I smile, you know, and this is a season for gratitude. It really is a time for us to remember our gifts, the best of which, or at least I think, Aside from the Lord, the best gifts are the special people that God has allowed to be in our lives and given us to hold in our heart. And I've been around long enough to know how fragile even the best of relationships can be. So let's work to hold on to them. <laughs> let's be thankful. I mean, really thankful for loyal and loving friends and brothers and sisters and both physically in a natural and spiritually, right? Mothers and fathers, grandparents, mothers and fathers in the faith. That is people who've had tremendous influence over our lives and have been there for us and, and allowed us to have a, a unique access into their lives. These are special gifts. You know, some people, are given to us as encouragers and their, <laughs> their contribution into our lives is that they speak kind words. And maybe even as I said that some people who just have this unique capacity to encourage us are coming to our mind and they, they, they just have a way of lifting our spirits and, and we need to let them know that we appreciate them. New Thanksgiving is a great season for doing that. Thank you for always being encouraging encouragement to me. I just want to encourage you because you always encourage me. Send a note, send a, a text, send a little prayer, send a blessing, let them know. So some friends are, I, and people are meant as encouragers in, in our lives and others support us. Paul was talking about that. They support us. That is, they give us strength. So I look at it a little bit. Encouragement is, has this, kind of softness attached to it because it is often 
when we're down a little bit that we get encouraged. Even it's, it's, it shoots courage into us, but in a soft way. But sometimes someone is there to support us. And I see that as a little bit of a difference. I look at that as someone who's helping us bear the weight of what we're walking through. And they, they give us strength. Think of when you're carrying something and it's getting really heavy and, and hard to bear alone. But someone who loves us or who cares for us lends us some of their strength to help defer some of the weight that we are having to bear. It just, it just is ma- it makes a difference. We need to say thank you for that too. We need to be grateful for that. Other, other friends, you know, that they, they, <laughs> they just, they're just the joy to us, right? They share the joy of the journey on the stretch of the road. Uh, like I said, some of them may help bear the load. Sometimes they just offer us a helping hand, but we're, we're making the journey together. And I like to think of it as a journey on the stretch of the road because I've lived long enough to know that, you know, some friendships and, and relationships are, are meant for a season in our life. And, and in the rare, there's some rare, rare gems that go on for decades and sometimes even almost a lifetime. I mean, those are, those are such rare gifts <laughs> and not, don't take them for granted. But also at the same time, I've, I'm okay with the fact that some of the deepest, most meaningful relationships that I've had have are meant for a season and it's okay. That's okay too. Uh, I, I still want to treasure that the season and be thankful for it. And then of course there are other friends or relationships that spur us on. So I'm kind of making some distinctions here. Some people encourage, some people help us bear weight. Some people share the joy of the journey and some people (laughs) come into our lives to spur us on, to exhort us. And that's a little different than encouragement. That's like, come on, they're kind of getting into our face a little bit, into our space a little bit. And they're challenging us to be better, reminding us not to quit, give up or let the fire die. I hope I I can do that as well every now and then for for all of you. Because we're all going to need, need sometimes to be reminded not to feel sorry for ourselves, uh, not to lose hope, not to take our eyes off of Jesus, not to get overwhelmed in our own self-doubt, self-defeat, that uh, the evil one beat us down. No, we got we to gotta get up sometimes. That's why Paul talked about fighting the good fight of faith. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, right? With principalities. I mean, he's talking about being a little bit more intense and intentional. And we need people also in our lives who are willing to say, come on now, we got to get up. We got to get going. We can't stay here. Let's pray. Let's get better. Let's move on. Let's get better. Let's not be bitter, right? Don't want to do that. I was reminded of something Albert Schweitzer wrote. He said this, at times... Our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Isn't that the truth? Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Yes, we do. Every now and then it should be something we do. It's, it's, it might be helpful to pause. And this is the season. This is one, again, one of the reasons I love the idea of having a Thanksgiving season and this time of the year. I just love it because 
we should think about with deep gratitude the role of people who keep the flame for life alive in us, who God has used to be a blessing. And so, you know what? And we're, sometimes we're going to be the one who does the blessing, and sometimes we're the ones who receives the blessing. But in blessing, we are blessed, and blessed people tend to bless. That's how it works. And then the more you bless, the blessed you get, the more blessed we get. So, I don't know, this is, we can go on. It's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? And then consider doing what the great apostle Paul did. Do you see it? Do you see it? We read about it. What did he do? I mean, he wrote his words down and he shared them with the Philippians. <laughs> there might be a time for us to do that as well. I alluded to that earlier. Maybe it's, it's something we need to really write and send, right? Write and share, write and give. Paul did it. I thank my God on every remembrance of you. You bring joy to my heart, your love, your loyalty, your faithfulness. Everything about you makes me thankful. And he goes on to say this. It's one of the great verses of the New Testament. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, Paul writes, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that's another thing for us to be grateful for. Don't miss it. What is this? God's faithfulness through the days of our lives. In this life to the next, the good shepherd is with us. Yes, he is. And the master builder is at work. Oh, Lord Jesus. Patient master builder. He is at work in you and he's at work in me. And even when we falter, and I have let him down in things done, in things undone, in blessings withheld, and in attitudes that were poor. I know I have let the Good Shepherd down, and I am, in the end, at my best, an unprofitable servant, and yet we are loved. And his grace is sufficient for in our weakness, his strength is made perfect and demonstrated to be all that we truly need. He is the one that we look to, and he is the one who will finish the work that he has begun in you and me. O son, O daughter of faith, uh, be not consumed in despair nor discouraged by our own frailty, weakness, or sin. For one greater is among us. Ah, I'm talking about Jesus, our great captain, the captain of our salvation. But Paul, going back to his loving words, as he shifts back to expressing his love for them, he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. I hope we can appreciate this. Paul could have chose to become bitter himself. He was, after all, in confinement, under guard, house arrest. He could have cho chosen to become a, a despondent and uh, beaten, but instead... He became the blesser. Uh, 
He could have lashed out at the Romans about the unfairness of life and question, as we have been tempted to do from time to time, question the goodness of God. Why would God do this? Why would he allow me to do this? I mean, I've only given my life to him. I've only given everything I have for him. I've loved Jesus. I've allowed myself to, to just give you know, myself in complete obedience to the way of Christ. And this is what I get. What have I done to deserve this? Why am I? on the precipice of, of being killed. And he ends up having an extension of days. But one thing is pretty clear. That's just not the way he approached life. It's not the way he thought. And it's certainly not the way he thought about his own relationship with the Lord. And he does not, uh, he does not hesitate to pull the trigger on expressing love, despite the limitations of his undesired captivity and circumstances. I think you heard what I just said, and I can say it in a different way, but the, but he just wouldn't hold back, even though things weren't going great from a natural circumstantial, you know, perspective, this is not what he wanted. And he could have zeroed in on, you, you know, why are you letting this happen to me, God? But that's not the position he took. Instead, he made a commitment to blessing because his heart was committed to the Lord come what may. He says, I've learned on another part of scripture. He says, I've learned how to, how to be abound and how to be abased. I've, I've learned, I've learned how to be an adaptable man. I'm nimble. I, I, my faith isn't dependent on things going the way I want them to go. No, I'm committed to the Lord, whatever he decides. I'm, I'm, I'm about, I want the blessing. I want the joy. Uh, you know, I, I want the good things. I I would love to be able to see you again. Paul's saying, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not, this is not about God coming through for me in the way that I require him to, in order to bless you. I'm blessing you because I'm a blessed man wherever I am. And it includes even in this place of confinement because God can even bring good out of this. And he did because it was in this actual place of confinement under house arrest that the letters that we have that make up some of these epistles in the New Testament came into being. We literally were given words that God has used Holy Spirit, God breathed, inspired words that we can treasure down the ages as a pattern for living the way of Christ or a product of someone being constrained uh, in a house, in a house arrest, uh, not free. And so, but he was free in his spirit. And we've seen this, this has happened throughout history in other different places. I think of people like Nelson Mandela, for example, where so much good has come through the injustice, if they, their hearts yielded to the Lord for a greater purpose. It reminded me of something Henry Nouwen wrote, and I just, I just want to share it with you. It's actually a little, little longer piece, but I think it'll bless you. He said this, this great Christian writer who's now gone uh, to be with the Lord. He says, do not hesitate to love and to love deeply. You might be afraid of the pain that deep love can cause. When those you love deeply reject you, leave you, or die, your heart will be broken. But that should not hold you back from loving deeply. The pain that comes from deep love makes your love even more fruitful. It's like a plow that breaks the ground to allow the seed to take root and grow into a strong plant. Every time you experience the pain of rejection, absence, or death, you are faced with a choice. You can become bitter and decide not to love again, or you can stand straight in your pain 
and let the rich soil on which you stand become richer and more able to give life to new seeds. And I just, I love the imagery of Nouwen's words. They are rich and deep and filled with metaphor. I can almost feel the soil in those words. <laughs> let us choose to bless and love with gratitude. Even when life is hard or people have broken trust and let us down or have died, which is not their fault, of course, but the void is real. And when our heart is broken and we feel rejected, the choice is ours to live in love and the power of Christ. Even when the limits life has placed upon us um, are hard. And, and then as, as I said, you know, let us not hold back a blessing when it's in our heart to give it. Come on now. We need to follow through with our good intentions. What I mean by that is some of us along the way of this message have been stirred to be grateful for certain people in our lives. And I think it's important for us to not just say, thank you, Lord, for them, but also to take some time to let them know if, if God puts it in your heart, send a blessing, you know, send it, say the word. Uh, you may know the word and not say it. GK Chesterton, Chesterton, a exquisite writer, just a clever writer, almost like a Christian Mark Twain. He said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. <laughs> when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. That's really great. We get to choose. Am I going to take this for granted or am I going to take it with gratitude? I have another thing, another think <laughs> to share another thought for you on the other side of our special and I want this, this to settle in our hearts, this idea of gratitude and love and appreciation for the gifts of God and the special people in our lives. And I don't want to be in a hurry about it, but, uh, I do want to take a moment, you know, speaking of thankfulness and Thanksgiving, I want to talk about quickly giving. We are in a season of giving and I do want to remind all of you maybe in a uniquely different way, because we're making our way towards the end of the year. And I would love for you, in addition to, to giving your tithes and offerings, which many of our, our committed church community, uh, you do so well. And you, know, you can send that in, you can give it directly on our website or even through our app. But I would love for you to uh, make Cornerstone uh, a priority as we head towards the end of the year, if you can just keep that in the back of your mind, we really have a mission and a vision. I'll talk more about that maybe in the coming weeks, but I just really would want to plant that good seed in your heart to make your church uh, a really high priority as you prayerfully consider uh, your year end giving. But with that in mind, let's share the song. And even now, Lord, I just ask that you would keep our hearts open to you do the words that we're about to hear as they're set beautifully into melody. That's my prayer. Yes. Grateful for all of you in Jesus name.
good is he? Far beyond what eyes could ever see. Yet he stands in front of me. How good is he? He paints a canvas with a million stars. Yet still he holds my heart. Yeah. 
good as he If he never did another thing for me He is all I'll ever need How good is he You know, I know the Lord wants us to have a big heart full of thanksgiving, a big heart full of thanksgiving. And I think that happens when we choose to open up our heart to Him, then it's easier to open up our heart to others. The more open our heart is to Him, the more open our heart can be for others and to others. And I, I, just, I just want to remind everyone to be thankful to the Lord for people who He's given us as treasures and the, the beauty of, of things that, that have to do with people more than things. Use things, love people. Not, not love things and use people. God wants us to use things. We're going to let them go anyway. Not, we're not taking anything with us. Mm -hmm. But loving people, that's second only to loving God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. And where does my neighbor start? Well, I know one thing. <laughs> it starts with those closest to us. Jesus modeled that. He did when he was on earth. He had a special love for his mother and a special love for his closest disciples. And then he loved the world. And that's a pattern for you and me to follow. So Lord Jesus, in this season of Thanksgiving, I ask that you would give us a grateful heart. And we just want to zero in on your goodness because you're so good and you're so God. And you want us to be a blesser as well, a distributor of that goodness Settle our hearts, heal our souls, keep us in every way, spirit, soul, and body, yes, and in our minds. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. And don't forget, you are greatly loved.